This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome to Football Social Daily on the eve of a new Premier League weekend. And could it be the final Premier League weekend in which Ralph Hasenhurtl is the boss of Southampton? Those are the suggestions from some quarters with a report claiming that the players know the Austrians' time is ticking with Saints still winless in the Premier League this season. We'll tackle that on today's show as well as Raheem Sterling potentially swapping Manchester City for a new challenge overseas. The England man has been speaking of his desire to test himself on the continent, but when and where will that be? Plus, Leeds player Rafinha has won plenty of admirers since his arrival in the Premier League, but was one of them Liverpool this summer? The answer to that is yes, according to the player's agent. Would he have been a good fit at Anfield? And are Leeds at risk of having their better players poached as they seek to re-establish themselves in the top flight? All that to come on today's show, a show which provides you the only daily Premier League podcast you can find. This is Football Social Daily for Friday. My name's Niall McCorn and alongside me we've got Jim Salverson and Steve McNaughton. Morning to you both. How's it going? Good morning. Morning. Very good. Very good. Well, we're nearly stuck back into the Premier League after a couple of weeks away due to the international break. And there are some interesting stories to go through on today's podcast. We'll start down on the south coast at Southampton with a story that comes from Football Insider and it's been picked up by a couple of other news outlets as well. And it says that Ralph Hasenhurtl is expected to be sacked in the next few weeks according to what's described as a feeling within the club amongst the players. I thought this was an interesting story because it's just reports and rumours right now. No real big ultra-credible sources are claiming this at the moment. It's still very much uh, partly sort of hearsay and murmurings. Does this come as something of a surprise to you, Jim? The fact that Ralph Hasenhurtl, who's been talked up as actually quite a good manager by several of his peers and neutrals and pundits alike, um, that he's being touted for perhaps a potential departure? It does and it doesn't. It doesn't because I think any manager whose team is at the wrong end of the Premier League at this stage in the season, as we kind of 
just past the quarter mark is going to be considered under pressure and is going to be suggested could be losing their job very soon because it's that time of year that Premier League board members have to decide whether they're going to stick or twist in order to guarantee that Premier League survival. I think the unfortunate thing for Southampton at the moment is the recent events at Newcastle mean they are looking more perilous than they were a couple of weeks ago because I think they're a point above Newcastle in the league at the moment. We expect Newcastle, certainly post-January sales, to be able to kind of climb the table. So where does that leave Southampton in terms of their future and how they're going to remain in the league? We'll have to wait and see how that pans out. It does surprise me because I think there's... I think Ralph Houtenhoodle has done a decent job at Southampton, given the resource he has. He seems to go through peaks and troughs in terms of results. There'll be a really good run and then they'll suffer a 7-0 smashing or something like that and then all fall to pieces for a little bit. But given what he has available in that Southampton squad, I don't think they can expect much more from a manager. And at least in Houtenhoodle, they've got a manager who has a defined style and appears to have kind of a long-term plan at that football club. But... You can't take a player like Danny Ings out of a squad and replace them with Adam Armstrong and expect to achieve the same level of performance. And they're not doing as well this season as they did at this stage last season, mainly because they haven't got Danny Ings to bang in the goals. And I think without him, that Southampton squad, it looks like it probably belongs at the tail end of the table. That's where they find themselves. So I don't know whether there's a case of better the devil you know and whoever else they bring in, will they actually be able to achieve more with that Southampton squad? Yeah, certainly. I think it was eight games last season that they were top of the table at one point, Southampton. And then you know, it wasn't too long after that that they got beat 9-0 by Manchester United. So you mentioned that Jekyll and Hyde nature. I mean, maybe it is the lack of consistency, which is frustrating the players and the Southampton fans and... You want consistency in the Premier League. Is that not what it's all about? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, if you look at Southampton, no wins in six. Um, they didn't finish last season in great form either. Um, I think obviously one of the highlights is that Hazard Hootel got them to an FA Cup semi-final, didn't he? Um, it, it's not good reading. And, and Jim made an excellent point there about you know Danny Ings leaving the club and, and Armstrong coming in. I think it was from Blackburn, wasn't it? They signed him and they paid, uh, they paid a chunk of money for him as well, wasn't it? Um, it was certainly kind of into into the multi millions for him, um, and I, just, I I can't see a way out of this for Southampton. I think I've said it on the podcast before that if you flirt enough times with with relegation, you know, eventually it will get you. You know, you you can't avoid it, and I'm not seeing anything at the moment uh, that gives me confidence that Southampton can get out of this situation. But having said that, I do like Hasenhutel. I think you know he's in, he he has shown some flashes of brilliance. I think he's a really good um, personality. Tactically, he, I can see what he's trying to do. He's trying to get Southampton playing expansive football. Um, it's very difficult when with the resource that he's got, and you know we see we've seen many managers over the years pay the price for their philosophies. And I think it, it, I, my advice to Ralph would be, you know, it's just make your team really, really difficult to beat, um, you know, sacrifice, sacrifice the principles in the short term and, and, and just kind of make sure that you're, you're not getting sucked in uh, to it all. But I like him. Uh, I, you know, do I think it'll be the last of him if he does get sacked of at Southampton? No, I think someone else, probably Watford, will give him the job in three weeks or something. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, I, I do like the fella. I think he's great. And, you know, when, when Southampton, you know, beat my team last season and, 
he was in tears on the touchline and that. You, you know, that's what the Premier League needs. It needs personalities like that. But there's no there's no hiding from from the results. It is not going well at the minute. And and you know the axe. You know is is who's it? It's Steve Bruce or is it him first? You know. Yeah, they didn't win for ages after he cried on the touchline at Anfield. I don't think it was. I don't think it was a, an uphill journey from there for Southampton. Let's be honest. But you're right. You lose Danny Ings at the front of the pitch, Jim. It's going to be a problem. Let's not forget they've lost Yannick Vestergaard at the back as well, who was one of their first choice centre halves. So it's always going to be difficult when you lose a key player at the back and a key player at the front. But in terms of how Ralph Hasenhurtl is as a coach, and like what Steve says, he's got plenty of admirers, and he probably will get another job, most likely in the Premier League or in one of Europe's top five leagues if he does leave Southampton but is he the best that Southampton can hope for in terms of a manager you said just <laughs> before a, fresh, a question phrased by a Portsmouth fan that is <laughs> well it's true isn't it they're not going to be signing Carlo Ancelotti like Everton did you know they, they no. don't have that sort of pulling power so at the moment is Ralph Hasenhurtl the best that they can hope for I mean because look at look at Southampton in, in recent history they've been used as a stepping stone club you know, they've yeah. had Maurizio, Maurizio Pochettino, they had Ronald Koeman, both of those managers have moved on to better things to varying degrees of success. So in terms of if they do ditch Hasenhurtl and they bring someone else in, is Hasenhurtl about the level of, of boss that they can hope to bring in anyway? Yeah, I think so. And I think Southampton are actually very good in terms of identifying their next managers. They seem to have developed a format in a similar way to they have with players in terms of spotting kind of new talent and giving them a platform in which to prove themselves and I think Hasenhoodle's kind of done that I think I mean I don't think any of us would be talking about him in the terms we are at the moment if we hadn't seen him seen him managing at Southampton first hand when if you're on the Premier League you're under the spotlight you're on the kind of top table and you will get people looking at you and I don't think he's done himself any harm at all by what he's done at Southampton but how long, there's always the question of how long can Southampton do that? Who is the next manager they can go and get that kind of shows that promise? But with that kind of quest for a promising manager with new ideas, etc., etc., there is always going to be that element of risk, just like there is with players. Like taking Adam Armstrong, for example, I think Adam Armstrong has the potential to be a very good player. He did very well at Blackburn. I think it was about 15 million, Steve, that he, he came to Southampton for. I've got that number in my head for some reason. That is always going to be a risk. Replacing Danny Ings with Adam Armstrong is always going to be a risk. And replacing Ralph Hausenhutl with the next Ralph Hausenhutl is always going to be a risk. And sometimes it pays off for Southampton and sometimes it doesn't. But 100% you're right. That is kind of the level they're looking at. They don't seem to want to bring in the old war horses. They don't want to go into the Alan Pardew territories or the Sam Allardyce territories, and rightly so. They want to identify that next talent, and I think that's worked for them so far. It's just how often they can do that. Incidentally, in terms of the odds for House and Hootle to get the sack, he is well down the list. Steve Bruce, Espirito Santo, Daniel Fark, Mikel Arteta, Solskjaer, Claudio Ranieri, who's only just got his job, all ahead of him in terms of the odds. He's <laughs> so, Watford's longest serving manager. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not entirely sure how much truth there is. The slight concern for me with this story, if I was Hasenhutl, would be that it's a story about player revolt. And those never tend to end well. When you lose the dressing room, that tends to be the end of a manager's reign. So if that is the case, he might not have long left. But the bookies are really wrong on this stuff. 
We need to bring the cliche bell back to Football Social Daily because I haven't heard Lost the Dressing Room for a little while. And I was (laughs) ready. My right hand was shaking, ready to hit the cliche bell. And then I realised that it wasn't there. We should bring it back. But it's a good point you make because according to this report, Steve, the players allegedly feel that Hasenhurtl hasn't got long left in charge of the club. That's a feeling apparently from within the dressing room, according to the report. Is that just a case of modern player power at work if that is to be the truth because we talk about a lot on the podcast how much the players have got that element of power nowadays that maybe they didn't have beforehand yeah and you know it's one of the the most toxic things in football isn't it that someone leaks it to an agent who then leaks it to the press and and you know nothing's kept in-house very disappointing and that we've seen many clubs over the years, like, hunt out these moles that are leaking things to the press. And I think, you know, it. I just prefer players in this situation to, to arrange a clear the air in the dressing room. I think that's where it should be done. I think, you know, f- football is, is a very emotional sport. I think that, you know, we've heard reports of, of you know, players and managers squirting up to each other at halftime and everything like that. That's the type of stuff that should be kept. That's sacred stuff that should be kept in house. It shouldn't be getting leaked to the press. Um, and we we had it recently where um, you know there's a report come out that um, James Milner and Jurgen Klopp squared up to each other at half time during the Liverpool game, and it's like it was about three years ago, and it's like what, what you know why has it come out like in the last two weeks? And I just don't get what people get benefit from 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 leaking this stuff. And it just puts a load of pressure on the situation. It's not needed. Southampton are, are in a relegation fight and they do not need the distraction of someone or their agent leaking stuff to the press just to try and stir the pot. I can't stand stuff like that. I find it really, really infuriating. Well, Southampton currently outside of the relegation zone, but not by a lot. They've got four points from their seven Premier League games so far. Saints take on Leeds in the top flight this weekend. We'll preview that game on the dugout, which will come out later tonight or tomorrow morning, depending on where in the world you listen to Football Social Daily. And I'll be joined by former players Trevor Stephen and Paul Dickoff to discuss that game, as well as the other seven that take place across Saturday and Sunday this Premier League weekend. Also, if you want to read more on this story, allegedly Ralph Hasenhurtle on the brink of being sacked by Southampton, you can head to our website, sport-social.co.uk. Loads of the latest Premier League news you can find on there. Time to take a quick break now, and we'll be talking about Raheem Sterling next on the show. He's indicated he's open to a move abroad. Could we see Sterling swap Manchester for mainland Europe? We'll talk about it next here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social, part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you fancy getting your teeth stuck into a new style of podcast from maybe a different sport, anything from Speedway to snooker and wrestling and more football stuff as well on there too, if you're interested in that, then head over to the podcast network. Sport-social.co.uk is the website and just click the podcast tab and there are loads of new podcasts available for you to get stuck into. But for now, we're going to talk about Raheem Sterling, who in an interview this in international break has indicated he could be open to a new challenge away from Manchester City. 
specifically abroad on the continent, playing in Europe most likely for a different club than one in the Premier League. He's obviously represented two huge clubs in the top flight in this country, in Liverpool and Manchester City. But he's 26 now, and maybe some are suggesting, Jim, that it's time for a fresh challenge for Raheem Sterling away from Manchester City. Is that something you can see happening in the next couple of seasons, maybe? He seems to have been linked with a move away from Manchester City for the last 12 months, really, doesn't he? And it seems to be on and off with various clubs interested, a return to Liverpool. He was linked with Arsenal. He was even linked with a move to West Ham at some point. I'm not sure how much of it is to be believed. But this is the first time I think we've heard Raheem directly say that he'd potentially look for a move away from Manchester City, which I think means one of two things. It either means, yes, he genuinely wants a move away from Manchester City and he wants more playing time. The other thing it potentially means is this is kind of a warning shot across the bowels of the City hierarchy. It's him saying, look, I know I should be playing more. I feel I've got loads to offer this team. And if you don't start playing me and giving me the minutes I deserve then I am going to be off my feeling is it's the latter at the moment because I think he seems to have always been very happy at City he seems to be a Pep Guardiola player I'm not entirely sure why he doesn't get more game time it has to be down to the increased competition from the likes of Phil Foden coming through but it does still feel like he's got a lot to offer and he can play across that front three and he can offer an option across that front three and I think when we look back to the European Championships we know know that this is a player that isn't necessarily on the wane it's not like he's necessarily lost form but at the same time he's a player who plays off confidence And he needs that consistent minutes, that he needs that time on the pitch in order to be the best he can be. So whether or not a shot across the bow of Pep Guardiola works or not remains to be seen. My feeling is that he doesn't respond well to that kind of thing. And actually, a statement like this from Sterling could hasten his exit from Manchester City. And And if he does leave Manchester City, to be honest with you, I think Europe is the best option for him. I can see him fitting right in win a team like Real Madrid even I think I think rather than kind of returning to Liverpool or staying in the Premier League where undoubtedly he'd experienced toxic atmospheres I think that kind of shift away that shift somewhere else would be a really good move for him well Real Madrid are one of the clubs who have been linked with Raheem Sterling in the past and indeed now really and those links will continue and probably strengthen after this interview that he's had And like you say, during the Euros, he was very impressive for England. It was this whole boy from Brent growing up in the shadow of Wembley, a home tournament effectively in Euro 2020 and a chance to show, you know, exactly what he's capable of in the colours of England when he hadn't had such a good season for Manchester City by his usually high standards. And you can talk about the other players that City have got and maybe that's a reason why Raheem Sterling isn't getting as much game time. I think he's only made one start in the Premier League for Pep Guardiola this season but of course City Steve signed Jack Grealish for 100 million pounds in the summer do you think that Grealish's arrival might have changed things for Sterling in terms of his perception and his outlook on his time at the club or is it too easy to say that just because Grealish has come in for a big price tag and we're trying to fit square pegs into round holes maybe I think that you know Man City um, they have two teams that could probably win the league don't haven't they and I think that, you know, as City evolve that team, there's going to be some people that are a bit disgruntled about it, you know, along the way. And I think Raheem's one of them. And um, I think Raheem is, is, is a, an unbelievable player. I think he's a fantastic player. Um, I've I seen it on Sky Sports this morning that he's played something like 
36% of Man City's games across all competitions this season, um, which is which is very low for, for an England international. He's one of the first names on the England team sheet and, and he consistently delivers for the England team. So I just think, you know, Jim mentioned the emergence of Phil Foden, that's played a big part in it. And then you do sign Jack Grealish for 100 million, um, that's going to impact on him. And I think as Raheem's 26 now, and he looks for, uh, you know, looks at his next contract or his next situation. I mean, we're not going to sign him, but you know, he'll never come back to Liverpool. Um, I just don't think he fits the profile anymore of of who Liverpool will go after. Um, I, I could see him going abroad. I mean, we've got a lot of players in the England team that are flourishing by playing abroad at the minute. And it's refreshing to see that because we didn't used to have anyone playing at the likes of Borussia Dortmund um, you know, or Bayern Munich or, or, or whatever. Um, and I just think, you know, Raheem at 26 is probably wants to sample a different culture, a different vibe, be a big player in another team. Um, you know, so if he, if he went to like Real Madrid or an Atletico Madrid or something like that, um, I can see that happening. I think it'll be good for his game. I think it'll be good for his England career. And and it'll be good for his, his his mental health as well because Raheem Sterling is a target of of one newspaper in particular in this country, who that, that write a lot of bad things about him, um, and then when he does well for England, says the best thing since sliced bread, and they'll want to get away from things like that. And you know, I think that um, it, it's going to be an interesting one. You know, Pep probably won't respond very well to that. It'll come up in his press press conference today, and it'll be interesting to see what he says. But I think, you know, don't shut the door on him being that marquee signing for Newcastle now that you've got all this money. I think also Sterling's going to be looking at the situation at City at the moment and going, look, if I was ever going to play games for this club again, it would be now because they're playing this type of football that doesn't require that front man. They don't have a front man necessarily to be playing up to. So if he's not getting in that squad now, when essentially there's an extra berth available for him to fit into, What's going to happen when Manchester City do inevitably buy someone to fill that forward role, be it in January or be it in the summer? That's going to marginalise his options even further. And he's certainly, if that happens, he will then surely look for a move because his opportunity is going to be less. And I wanted to pick up on what Steve said as well about players going to the continent and plying their trade. Do you think, Jim, that there's less fear and scepticism over playing in Europe now because of the pathways that we've discussed on the podcast, even as recently as last week, with players like Tammy Abraham, who's now at Roma, Jaden Sancho, who's back in England with Manchester United, but of course came from Dortmund, and Jude Bellingham is a name that gets mentioned. Because, you know, like the question I asked a couple of weeks ago on Football Social Daily, when I was growing up, it was only really Owen Hargreaves, and my dad had to explain to me who Owen Hargreaves was, because this mysterious, long, curly-haired man <laughs> would play in midfield for England, and I'd be like, who, who is this guy? Where's he come from? Oh, he plays for Bayern Munich. They play in Germany. All right, okay, I didn't know you could do that. And now that, you know, that wall, I guess, that, that fourth wall, for want of a better term, has been smashed, and... Do you think there is there's there's less worry and less scepticism amongst players in going over to the continent and playing in a different league? Potentially. I still think it's a real rarity, though, to see an English player playing abroad. Even nowadays, and I'm going back to the days of Paul Gascoigne playing Lazio and David Platt playing in uh, Serie A as well. So there always have been exceptions to the rule but when you look at the amount of foreign imports in the Premier League and compare that to the amount of English imports outside the Premier League the numbers just don't stack up and I don't really understand why because as you've pointed out the pressure in the Premier League and the opportunities in the Premier League are so limited because of the pressure 
that sometimes players, if they want to get playing time, they have to move away. But that shouldn't necessarily be the case. It shouldn't be a case of, right, I'm going to move away from the Premier League in order to get game time because my options are limited, as we've seen with young players going to the Bundesliga. Surely there's an argument to be made that actually, as a player, experiencing that different playing style, because different leagues do have different playing styles, and experiencing that different culture is going to be good for their personal development. So I think, yeah, the the barriers are kind of going down and it's because of the successes we've seen from the likes of Sancho and Bellingham going over to Germany and kind of getting that game time and then being of interest to the Premier League again and being able to command those big wages. But it should be also considered part of a player's development. I think it would be healthy if we saw more international loans from clubs as well. So we saw Premier League clubs loaning their players out to teams in the Bundesliga and maybe Serie B or, uh, sorry, um, La Liga B or, or whatever, it, rather than necessarily dropping them down the leagues to the likes of Cambridge United. So it is changing slowly, but there's certainly more to be done. And I think that's going to sh- surely have benefits as well. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder whether Raheem Sterling will move abroad. He suggested that he wanted to test himself overseas. Maybe it's Real Madrid. Barcelona have been linked as well. Is it important where that is, Steve? Does it have to be a big hitter in Europe? Because only a select few really could afford him. And in terms of where he's come from in a successful side like Manchester City, the money that he'll command in terms of wages and a transfer fee possibly as well, it's only really going to be the big guns. But not all of them are exactly well lined in the pockets at the moment, are they? No, I think that you know Barcelona aren't in a position to sign him because we all know they're like £1.2 billion in debt. Um, which, which is amazing uh, that that's happened. Real Madrid are probably, or Atletico are probably the option in Spain because, you know, Atletico, even though they, they have sizable debts, they seem to be quite good at managing that debt. Um, and Real Madrid just get those written off, uh, you know. So uh, they'll just go to the Royal Family and say, can we have another half a billion quid to clear these debts? And there you go, lads, um, sign away. So I think, you know, p- probably Real Madrid... I wouldn't rule out the the um, um, Bayern Munich for him. Um, I think the Bundesliga might be something that might tempt him at some point. And Bayern Munich have massive amounts of money as well. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. And then I wouldn't be surprised, like I said earlier, if he gets that much money waved at him by Newcastle, that he gives that a whirl. Uh, because you know, he's going to still command a 60, 70, 80 million pound transfer fee, isn't he? And um, you know that he might be that type of marquee signing that the new owners want to, you know, make a massive statement with and pay him like three fifty, four hundred grand a week to go up to Newcastle. Um, so he, he, I think the lad will have options. You know, there will be a bit of a stampede for Raheem Sterling. Uh, I don't think he'll go for, to another Premier League team um, that could compete directly with Man City at present. So I don't think like a Chelsea or Liverpool are, are going to be in that equation. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting uh, how it all pans out. And, you know, I think wherever he goes, he'll do a top job for him like he's done for every club he's played for. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to see whether Raheem Sterling does switch up Manchester City for Europe. I don't think it will be January, maybe the summer, maybe the season after, who knows. But he's only 26 and he's been around forever, Raheem Sterling. He's got plenty of Premier League appearances, plenty of goals. And, you know, even if he moved to Europe at the age of 28, 29 in two years from now, 
it would still be a move considered one which is beneficial to his career and probably the club that he goes to as well. So that's come out today. Raheem Sterling indicating he's open to a move abroad. We're going to be talking about another potential move which didn't happen this summer next on Football Social Daily. Liverpool allegedly interested in Leeds. Rafinha, we'll talk about that next here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. I'm Niall, Jim and Steve alongside me. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. The only show focusing on England's top flight with a new episode every single day of the season. So however you listen to your podcast, make sure make sure you hit subscribe or follow and that way you won't miss one. Final story we're going to talk about on today's show comes of Liverpool persuasion. And allegedly, the Reds were interested in signing Leeds' Rafinha this summer. According to overseas publication Globo Esporte, it's, it's come from Rafinha's agent, this story picked up by the Portuguese language paper. His agent is actually Deco, the former Chelsea and Barcelona midfield player. So, you know, he's, he was a decent player in his own right, was Deco. I thought this was an interesting story and I'm glad we've got you on today, Steve, as a Liverpool supporter. Is he someone you would have taken at Liverpool had he signed from Leeds in the summer? Obviously, this is just a report which suggested that Liverpool were interested. I don't think there was any concrete Does Steve bid. have a say in that? Is, does he have oversight on Liverpool transfers? <laughs> where they go, we've, we've signed and sealed it, Steve. Do you want him or not? <laughs> well, Liverpool fans <laughs> are not shy of being vocal about the players they want and don't want. And I think that's always a good thing because I think often clubs do do listen um, more than people realise. But um, what's your take on Rafinha as a player? Is he someone you would have liked to have seen in Liverpool red? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, he's a very exciting player. I think he's obviously he's got friends in the Liverpool team as well, you know, through his Brazil duties. Um, you know, we, we thought it was going to happen as fans. You know, we're talking on the WhatsApp groups and stuff like that, saying any news on Rafinha. And then, you know, we had another frustrating summer uh, transfer window, which, you know, is, is obviously well documented under the, the current ownership of the club as well. I mean, Liverpool is is a weird one because we spend what we earn, which I suppose in one way is good from a business point of view, but it just means that you leave yourself a bit um, vulnerable, should we say, when injuries bite, which they inevitably do across the season. And we thought we were going to sign Rafinha for about 35, 38 million, which would have been, I think would have been a great price for him. Um, do I think the ship sailed on him? I think no. I think will we probably go back in for him at some point? Yeah. I think he fits the exact profile of what Liverpool are after. He's 24 years of age. He's definitely got another level or two in him to, to achieve. Um, my my concerns about him, um, I think probably he's a little bit lightweight. I think Liverpool will probably look to get him in the gym and, and, and beef him up a little bit. Um, I mean, I, I was, I was, when I was looking at it in summer, I think he's something like sixty kilos, which is which is just so light. You know, it's untrue. So What's I think that in old money, Steve. Uh, I think he's probably about nine and a half stone, something like that. Um, That's heavy so, as you, then, Jim. <laughs> so I just think that you know that that would be one of the things that Liverpool would look to do with him and develop his game. But you know, he played thirty games in the Premier League for for Leeds last season. Um, you know, he. I think you know he's he, his goal return. Um, I'm not quite sure exactly what it was, but I, I seem to remember him being amongst the goals, you know, from 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 out wide. 
Um, so I think he'd be, he'd be a good squad option for us, you know, with a view to replacing one of, you know, maybe Sadio Mane, you know, when Sadio, um, you know, reaches an age in the next kind of two years where he can't deliver at the level that he, that we're all used to him delivering. Um, but Rafinha, all day, and uh, any day of the week I'd have him at Liverpool. And I think if we can get that deal done, um, you know, great. And I think he'd be, he'd be a good op- option for one side. And, and the other one that we'd like to sign is is uh, Ismail Assar from Watford. You know, we'd really like him as well. In terms of Rafinha and his form since he arrived at Leeds, Jim, a lot of the Leeds fans have admired him for the way he's performed and he's been recognised by his country, Brazil. He's become a Brazilian international since he arrived at Leeds United. I don't think he had a cap before turning up at Ellen Road, which must count for something in terms of the levels of performance. And when you've got clubs like Liverpool interested in you, albeit via a report, that must count for something as well. I mean, he, he must be feeling quite confident with his game at the moment. I think he's been absolutely brilliant for Leeds and he deserved his Brazil call up albeit Brazil aren't now once the force they were there aren't a huge amount of superstars in that Brazil squad compared to what we think of as being Brazil from the past but he's coming to them he scored two goals in three games I think so he's done really well for Brazil and I think he's done really well for Leeds as well consider that he came in the beginning of last season for 17 million quid which was absolutely no money for a player of his quality and I think he'd fit perfectly at Liverpool. I think one of the things that you get between Liverpool and Leeds United is Jurgen Klopp is a man who likes his players to work hard. And we all know Bielsa is a man who insists his players work hard. Otherwise, they don't get in the team. So if Liverpool were to go after him, they know they have a player who is going to hit the performance standards that they demand. What I would say about this transfer is this does feel like uh, this, this is going to sound slightly xenophobic, I think, but I apologise if it does. It's not meant that way. But what you tend to get a lot with foreign players who come into a team that performs well one season and doesn't perform well the others, and this is a particular thing with, I think, overseas players, is that you suddenly get these rumours popping up. You get agents suggesting that teams are interested in their personnel, not because those teams are interested in their personnel, but because they think, look, if I link my player with a Manchester City, a Liverpool, a Manchester United, then the tier below that suddenly start going, you get your Tottenham's and you get your your Arsenal's going, oh, well, if, if Liverpool are after this player, maybe it's someone we should be looking at as well. So with Leeds not performing quite to the level that they were maybe expected to this season, I wonder whether this is the first sign of some of their better players maybe starting to look at where their futures lie potentially and agents doing what agents do, drumming up interest, building up a transfer fee and looking for that move in the next six months. Yeah, do you think Leeds United are at risk of this, Steve? Jim sort of highlighted it there. Leeds were away from the Premier League for 16 years. They're no doubt a big club. They've got uh, an attractive manager in terms of the way that they play their football in Marcelo Bielsa and someone who's well respected. But do you think Leeds United are at risk of this, losing their better players just by the very nature of the fact that they've been away from the Premier League so long, they're not doing great at the moment and they might have some of their stars picked off? Yeah, I do think that Leeds are at risk of that because I think most, there's only probably a handful of clubs in world football that, that you know, uh, uh, won't be exposed by that. And I think that Leeds United, even though it's a fantastic club, great set of supporters, fantastic stadium, they are going to be a stepping stone for a lot of players that go in there. And 
I think that, you know, these players coming over from South America, applying the trade under Bielsa and, you know, getting into that system of attractive football that he tries to play, you know, they'll want to do that to get a move ultimately to a bigger club. Um, you know, so for Man United, Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea or Real Madrid, Bayern Munich or etc, Juventus, etc. You know, take note of the what they've achieved in in one or two seasons at Leeds and come in for them. And I think if we didn't admit that, that that would be the plan for a lot of these players and that would have been the conversations that the agents like Deco would have had with the, with his clients, we'd just be foolish. And I think that Rafinha will know at 24 years of age that he will not be at Leeds next summer. Um, you know, he will be elsewhere. Uh, like I said earlier, I hope it's Liverpool. It might not because we tend to ask about a bit too much with transfers and, and miss the boat. Um, but it, you know, it, it's just they'll they'll have an eye on the next one. They'll they'll know who they're going to target as Rafinha's replacement already. They'll have an extensive scouting network and have a, a wide variety of contacts who can who can advise them on that. And I wouldn't be surprised if Deco's even saying to him, "Listen, I've got this guy who can replace him as well." Um, so yeah, just enjoy him while he's there. Um, you know, like we did with the likes of. Torres, Suarez, Coutinho, you know, people like that. And like, you know, at your clubs respectively, Portsmouth and West Ham, where you've had those players that have, you know, lit up the stadiums and then someone comes in with big money and, and they're off. It's just part and parcel of the game, unfortunately. But, I mean, I mean, I'll probably get a bit of stick for it, but I dare to say he's a bit too good for Leeds. I mean, who would you class, when you say they're big players to be picked off now, who do you class as Leeds United's big players? Because you look at their squad, and I don't think there's that many Alvin Phillips, Rafinha's in there. Well, it's Phillips, isn't it? The goalkeeper's quite good, I think, as yeah. well. I think he might be be poached by someone probably in Europe rather than the Premier League, maybe in the next season or so, because of his age. He's quite young, isn't he? So I don't think it's a, a case of Leeds a chocker block with stars. I know what you're saying, Jim. It's more like they're greater than the sum of their parts, and I think that's the Marcelo Bielsa effect. I definitely think Calvin Phillips has shown exactly what his worth is. But, you know, he was tapped up for a move, I don't think, too long ago. I think Aston Villa were keen on signing him and he was quite happy to take fewer wages and stay at Leeds United, such as his affiliation and affection for that club, which he grew up supporting and, of course, came through the academy playing for. So, you know, I think we saw with Calvin Phillips as well just how much England missed him in that Hungary game in the recent international break. It just felt like, you know, he's the metronome in the middle of the England midfield. And for someone who had so many critics and sceptics, of which I was probably one of them as well, in all fairness, um, when he first played for England, you know, I, I think he's a player who will be no doubt attracting attention. And like what we've seen with Jack Grealish this summer, leaving his boyhood club, a club he supports, a club he loves, a club he was the captain of, the talisman of in Aston Villa, to then go to Manchester City in an attempt to further his career and win trophies. Maybe we might see something similar with Calvin Phillips and Leeds fans will be screaming at their phones listening to the podcast with me saying that, saying Calvin Phillips will never leave, he'll never you know, turn his back on Leeds United. Well, people were saying that about Aston Villa and Jack Grealish and look what happened. You know, and now it's kind of slowly being accepted that that was the reason why Jack Grealish moved on. I'm not saying that will happen anytime soon with Calvin Phillips, but certainly if you keep performing like that, you're going to get admirers. I just think it's the nature of the game. That's kind of my point. There isn't that much... I'm using the words sparingly because I think the the players to the man at Leeds United are all... You've used the phrase greater than some of your parts. They're parts, and that's kind of the case. With the exception of Rafina, um, as you say, Calvin Phillips, and 
Meslia, I mean, you, it's hard to imagine a big club coming in and poaching someone like Patrick Bamford, for example, who is undoubtedly one of Leeds' top performers. But it's very difficult to imagine a Manchester City, a Liverpool, Manchester United coming in and going, well, this is the man that we're going to have leading our line. Hey, Jim, guess what? Liverpool apparently went in for Patrick Bamford in summer. Really? Yeah. I and, stand corrected. Um, it disregard yeah. everything I've just said. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm as surprised as you are, but apparently they did go in for him. Um, Jurgen Klopp is a, is a fan of Patrick Bamford, but the reality was with Patrick that he didn't want to be fifth choice at Liverpool. Um, and that's why he he you know it never materialised or anything. So he's got his he's got his admirers, you know, mate. And I think that you know I wouldn't be surprised if if someone did, you know did come in for him at some point. But yeah, sorry to derail you. It's interesting what Liverpool are doing though, isn't it? Because they it's almost like they're developing their second string to replace Salah, Mane, Firmino, and Jota's the first piece of that. Rafinha's the second piece potentially. Yeah, and it's kind of like they're bringing the succession through, which makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, and I think the the other one will be Saar from Watford. You know, they're very, very keen on Saar from Watford. You know, to to replace Sadio Mane in the long term. Um, so I think they've got to do that because from a Liverpool point of view, we know what cost them last season is the fact that they had zero depth in the squad in terms of quality, and I think that the the trying to address that with the the challenges they have in place financially, should we say. Well, we'll wait and see what happens in terms of Liverpool's squad and indeed Leeds' squad in the future. And we'll keep tabs on that here on the podcast on Football Social Daily and also on our website, sport-social.co.uk. You can find the latest Premier League news there. That's it for today's Football Social Daily. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Steve. Have a great weekend. Make sure you hit subscribe because tomorrow you'll hear from Trevor Stephen and Paul Dickoff, former Premier League players, discussing the weekend's Premier League games ahead. And there are some good ones. How will Newcastle fare? In their first game since their takeover against Tottenham, we'll get the thoughts of those former players on the dugout tomorrow. But that's it for today's episode of Football Social Daily, and we'll catch you next time. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.